Uh, welcome to season number one, episode number 11 of Splash Considerations, a San Francisco Giants podcast. My name is Justice Del Santos. Joined once again by Rory O'Toole, Joey Patton, or as in this episode, Mr. Doug Dimmodome, home of the Dimsdale Dimmodome, Mr. Josh Ewan, the big man himself. So for this episode, I'm going to start off with a little prose. I'm going to grab the mic here and, and let it follow me around. So I'm going to start with some prose. So over, these, over this past month, past couple weeks, if we're, if we're going to get a little metaphorical, you could say we've, we've been without power. We haven't had a lot of agency. We have no real control over what's been happening in our world. We've been stuck inside, can't go to the gym, can't go to the coffee shop, can't go to the bar, can't go to the restaurant. Can't go anywhere. Stuck inside, maybe take your little walk, but you got to maintain that six feet. You got to maintain that, that Chris Paul distance from, from other people. You got to maintain. So there's not a lot we can do. You know, just stay inside, hope for the best. But that's the big thing. We haven't had a lot of agency. Haven't had a lot of power. So I figure for this podcast, let's go in the other direction. Instead of having no power whatsoever, let's crank that thing up to 11. Let's have all the power. Let's pretend we have all the power. So for this episode, this is going to be that was great. the drunk with power, commissioner for a day. What would you change? What would you implement? It's going to be that podcast. We're going to have all the power. And this isn't, we're not president. We're not king. This is a tyrannical reign. This is pure dictator we're going right now. Whatever you want to change, you can change it. There's no going through agencies. There's no going through the Players Association. No agents, no managers, nothing. Whatever you want is getting implemented. Having all the power. power. We're going to do something in in a little similar to last week. We're going to go around the room. We're going to throw out ideas. Go watch the Michael Jordan documentary. See see if they had that little clip of him playing baseball. And then (laughs) that's going to be our little Sunday. So... Pretty good. Rory, Mr. O'Toole, almighty, what are we feeling? Commissioner for a day. Commissioner for a day. If I was commissioner, number one priority, get rid of private ownership in baseball. Man, all clubs are owned by the fans by the public, by the city, however you want to arrange it. We are getting rid of billionaire owners, individual ownership. Can I request that you say, not the entirety of it, but can I get a Bernie accent going on here? (laughs) (laughs) No more billionaires in baseball. I've been telling you for years. There's too many of them, okay? 30 teams, 30 billionaires. Are you kidding me? O'Toole 2028. Corona with a ball in a stick. What kind of country are we living in? Huh? Maybe for cricket? Sen- Senator O'Toole. England? There we go. That's my, that's my birdie. Oh, uh, well, this, episode, this episode's off to a fantastic start. I got a case for you. I'll get you guys' reactions first, but I'll, I'll lay out a case like a lawyer. We're in a situation where most of the stadiums, it's changing a little bit for the better, where you're getting more private finance, but the vast majority of stadiums have been financed with public money. They're asking us 
to pay for their stadiums. Cue Bill Simmons, billionaires should pay for their own fucking stadiums. I believe that billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadium. So you have a situation where they demand that the public pay for their stadiums. And if we don't do that, they leave. They just up and move across the country or to a neighboring town and leave the community behind. And the fans are the ones who lose. You've had situations where, like, with the Miami Marlins. So the city of Miami and Dade County, they spent more than $800 million in 2009 on a new stadium for the Marlins, while the club itself could have been bought for only $277 million. The Washington Nationals received about $700 million in taxpayer money for their new stadium, even as the team itself was being sold for $450 million. That doesn't – if that's the case, a city can just go and buy the team. If you're paying twice the amount than the club's even worth in a lot of these cases. And so, yeah, you spoke to the alternatives, Green Bay Packers. They are owned as essentially a private, nonprofit, tax-exempt organization. They're essentially a consumer co-op where – Their article states that this association shall be a community project intended to promote community welfare. Its purposes shall be exclusively charitable. And the team can move only through dissolution, in which case the shareholders, which is all the fans, can get only get the $25 share they put in. Public ownership allows for stadium funding to come from those in the community who'd want to support the team. And when the team's permanent, and rooted in the town or the city or the country, fans and citizens, they're going to be way more willing to support the team, buy all the merchandise, show up to the games. That's why Lambeau Field has such an amazing atmosphere. And what makes Green Bay so special is you have an NFL team, the world's richest professional sports league, in middle of nowhere Wisconsin, with maybe the best atmosphere in the entire NFL. And it's because everyone is a stakeholder in that process. Then you look in Europe and the most valuable clubs, Real Madrid and FC Barcelona, those are owned by communities of fans and they all chip in money and they elect a president and a board of governors to oversee and manage the team. But ultimately it's not owned by like some sheik from Saudi Arabia or some rich guy some Russian oligarch, like these Premier League teams. It's all owned by the fans. And they're still competing. They're winning trophies. And then in Germany, you have this thing called the 50 plus one rule, which requires majority ownership of all clubs by individual fans. So that prevents a billionaire corporation from taking control of the team. And it's been credited with keeping German ticket prices far lower than they would be otherwise. You have... Ticket prices that rarely go over like 90 bucks, which is if you've been to a baseball game, you know, that's, there's tickets that go for way more than that for seats that might not even be that great. And it's, if you watch German soccer, they have the best atmosphere, best fan participation by far. And it's because they all feel like we're ownerships of the team. This is a community. This isn't just like, some private corporation, like a circus coming to town that I'm going to go and not even pay attention to the game. 
They're way invested. They've put their own hard-earned money in it. And then even in baseball, there's a few minor league clubs, the Toledo Mudhens, Rochester Red Wings, Syracuse Sky Chiefs, Harrisburg Senators, Memphis Redbirds, all owned by nonprofits with the full backing of the city and county. We actually had a case where <clears throat> um, the old owner of the San Diego Pro- Padres died, Ray Kroc, and his widow tried to give the team to the city of San Diego, but Major League Baseball stepped in and nixed the deal. And a similar league edict later prevented the city of Pittsburgh from getting a share of the Pirates in exchange for a $20 million loan that was never repaid by the ball club. And in the Fifth Amendment, (laughs) under eminent domain, the public is allowed to take, under just compensation, private property, if it's just compensation. Give it to the public. And this isn't just some left-wing talking point. Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich, former Republican Speaker of the House, as conservative as you can get, is when the Clippers situation happened and Donald Sterling was banned from the league, he advocated for the Clippers to be given to the city of Los Angeles. Okay, He's supported of this kind of model. And... So what you're going to get is cities won't be bullied into financing stadiums for billionaires under the threat of moving elsewhere. Essentially extortion. Fans are more significant stakeholders and they can even drive club direction. And therefore you get a community feel. You get a vibrant fan culture, which is missing from most major league baseball stadiums and ball clubs. And you just get a sense of real ownership and pride in your team and in your city. And these ball clubs have been benefiting off the cultures of these, the cities that they play in, whether it's Minneapolis, New York, Miami, San Francisco, LA, they're benefiting off what we created. And we're the ones who support the team. We should actually own the team because it's our team. That would be my case. That, <laughs> for a day. That wasn't just heat. That was a hundred. Low and outside, right on the black. <laughs> that, that was perfect. And I know I, I want to give Joey a chance to, to jump in here because Joey himself has faced the brunt of that just as a as a Raiders fan. Team is Yes. Team's just up and gone. They're going to Vegas. Twice they've left Oakland. Twice. Why, yes, they have. And I can tell you the people of Oakland weren't too pleased <laughs> with that in either circumstance. But let me tell you, it is certainly unfortunate to see cities be bullied into having to finance these here stadiums and to see the people of Oakland who have been so loyal and who have been so supportive to their Oakland Raiders, to see them be betrayed and crossed. Now, darn toot, and I just won't have it. Rory O'Toole, I think you got yourself a fine proposition, young man. And I think I think we could see some good be done if we could see these fans be protected from this kind of nonsensical treason. And I assure you that when I step foot into that town as sheriff, I'll bring something into that. Thank you. Thank you. That's 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 what I need. I need someone to put their neck on the line, stand with me. These are our ball clubs. 
We created this. It, it is interesting that you have teams like the Rangers and the Braves, or like the Rangers in particular, the Rangers, they didn't have their stadium for like 20 years. And then it's, I, I look the, I just look at the headline. How much does that, their new stadium, which like side note, it looks dope, but also like how much does that new stadium cost? 1.6 billion in taxpayer dollars. Taxpayer. For from the stadium. People. For given how the last situation went, you don't know how long that's going to be there. Granted, I think this stadium is probably going to be around more for the long run, just considering like the one thing they were dealing with was always the heat. Now they have a retractable roof. But then you also have a situation with the Braves. Where if I remember right, that was taxpayer money as well. Yep. They Giants are the Giants is, are a rare case where it was majority private private money that finances stadium. Which is like the best case scenario you hope for is like something like the Giants where they just do it all themselves and they've run the team well. But it's like a monarchy. You can have a good benevolent king, but as soon as he dies and his asshole son takes over or his asshole daughter, and the kingdom is just going to be in shambles, okay? And all the glory is going to be lost. You can't be that dependent on one person, you know? And when you know the team's permanent, people are going to be willing to support the club. They're going to feel like, yeah, this represents my city. This is a civic – it's like a museum almost or any city landmark. Like, no one could ever imagine FC Barcelona. Where are you going to go play elsewhere? You know? They're not going to go to Bakersfield. They're not going to go to now. They're going to be Barcelona forever. But, like, Amer- even the Giants, they almost went to Florida, as we know. The A's have flirted. They almost went to Toronto, too. Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know if any of you guys have this on your list, but Honorable mention, it didn't make it in my proposals, but I think there should be a team in Montreal, just as a side note. Oh, it should be as well. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> just as, a, I guess, a counter-argument, you know, Josh mentioned in his opening segment, he said in Moneyball, you, you know, you have this situation where Billy Bean is kind of handcuffed because athletics don't necessarily have the dollars to spend on acquiring these fine players. And – the example Justice just threw out was the Vegas Raiders leaving Oakland. And I think it's an interesting – it's interesting to know that both of these ca- teams came from little old poor Oakland. So walk me through, if we had public ownership of these teams, how would these smaller teams or smaller cities retain their teams and be able to finance a stadium? And, you know, if they can't do it the way it is, how would they do it if it was all funded publicly? Well, it's just going to be majority public. So you can have a situation where you can attract some outside investment. So like in Germany, they can have money invested from Audi or Mercedes or some other German company. But it's just the majority of the club is owned by the public. So you can you can get that private financing because – when you look at a successful sports franchise, people are going to want to invest in that. So I, I wouldn't – it'd be pretty easy to get someone to invest in your ball club, I'd say. Um, as far as competing, if you're Oakland A's and you're trying to compete with the New York Yankees, I'd say that's more a symptom of a salary cap-less league, and that's just the cruel reality of 
there's no ceiling on what you can spend. So that might have to be a different kind of reform. But even in regards to that, you're going to have so much fan appreciation and buy-in and such a great atmosphere that you might even be able to attract players to that because they want to play in that kind of environment. They want to, they appreciate and they feel loyal to whatever that organization is. But as far as, yeah, I mean, the Oakland A's Yankees thing, I think is more a salary cap uh, symptom of, you know, there's just limitless spending, but uh, as far as like attracting the enough capital to like refinance, like a new stadium or stadium upgrades. They've done that in Barcelona and Real Madrid. Their stadiums are state-of-the-art because everyone wants to invest in those kind of clubs. And I think you'd have the same situation here because there's a limited number of these private professional sports franchises. So you're always going to want – there's always going to be corporations or rich guys who want to invest some money into that. But the key is to keep it a majority stake of the people and the fans. Once you put money in something, you're going to want to see what the product is. And that's great too, because the fans are going to demand winning because that's all fans care about. Right now you have private ownership. Look at the Miami Marlins with Derek Jeter. They basically stripped down that franchise to parts. They sold off Christian Yelich. They sold off all their young talent. And it's just about making that ball club profitable. They're going to win, yeah, maybe in a decade. But if you have public ownership, you're not so worried about it. And that's an argument that people have against public ownership because they're going to say, oh, you're just going to spend money willy-nilly because all you care about is win now, win now, win now. You're not going to plan for the future. That's a different debate. I think fans are smarter than that. Fans understand planning. But at the same time, you have way too many baseball clubs in particular who just tank and they're not spending money, and they're not investing in the team, and they don't care about even putting a good product on the field. Like if you look at the Miami Marlins, who's going to that stadium? Rory, I was going to jump in real quick. And they paid for it with their taxpayer Rory, money. Rory, points. One of my things that I was going to implement was a salary floor, and there's been a lot of conversations about the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Pirates and having a, a, a payroll of $60 million in 2020. Um, yeah. but, but to go off of that, like in, in baseball, you're not – at the collegiate athletics level, right, you got all your alumni, your boosters, right, they're putting the money, and it's it's not so easy to jump shit because if you went to a school, you're going to support them during winning and losing. Yes, it's, well, it's much Allegedly. it's much different. You can you can you can lose fans the second like you you trade a Christian Yelich, and you, when you go all into a tank, I, it's very rare unless you're the Giants where you see like this reload versus the rebuild. I think the reload thing is like a little bit like of a like a, a weird line where you're saying like no, we can't afford these people, but we're not like rebuilding per se. Right. I don't know, man. Like the it's a, it's a tough line to to to, uh, to draw, but I think it starts with putting in a salary floor, which is what the NBA has, and that seems to remediate some of those effects. I think that's a great idea. That that could be your proposal. We we could attack. Okay, that was that was one. I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Let's partner, man. This is Shark Let's Tank. Partner man. on this. Let's do yeah. the Shark Tank. That was, yeah, that was actually one of that my was things. That was actually Thank one of my you. things too. The idea of a salary floor because it's like. Man, you can't be spending sixty million. No, that's that's great, and that's like a symptom of like when you have private ownership, you can just kind of use that cold mm-hmm. market logic. But sports franchises, they're different. Fans, you're supposed to be here for the fans. Give the fans a good product. Give us a reason to buy a ticket and go to the game. 
100%. It's not like baseball's thriving in that, right, too. One of my proposals, which I'll get to later, has to do with getting more fans in the door. I think there's a couple things that, let's face it, baseball's got to address at some point. <laughs> right. And, like, how many – I mean, you watch some of these baseball games, and there's no one in the stadium. No one. Even historic teams like Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, there's no one there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had this – public ownership aspect where everyone feels like there's a stake and you actually start developing this fan culture, mm-hmm. you'd have amazing atmospheres. Everyone talks about the A's with the drums. It'd be that times 10 if you had something with public ownership and everyone feels like this isn't like, I'm not giving money to some billionaire. Like this is my club. I own it just as much as the next guy. Just to, to put a bow on this section in particular, and Roy, this is like a, fantastic idea I, this yeah, is this i wasn't is, expecting this type of heat i was expecting like some way, yeah. this is the this is kind of the opposite of like a totalitarian thing this is like a very like this is for the people i was like i'm prepping for this one i'm coming in with some major major heat but to, to put a bow on this you you referenced the toledo mud hens and one thing that a lot of a lot of baseball fans all you know you know jackie robinson 1947 but i want to give a shout out to i believe they were called the toledo blue stockings at the time Moses Fleetwood Walker, I think it was like 1890, is often considered the first African American baseball player. So shout out, shout out to Toledo. That is a real franchise. Video. So Josh, you mentioned <laughs> ways of getting fans in the stadium. So Commissioner Ewan, what are we feeling? So I'm not gonna go into like all my points because they're kind of variety, but to hit on this point in particular. I think the idea that baseball is one of those sports where the popularity is down. You can't name the face of the game. I know Mike Trout has kind of alleviated those concerns a little bit, but not nearly to the extent to which, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have done with football, the way Steph Curry and LeBron James, obviously, for the longest time. You have these names that captivate the sport, and with baseball, you can't even – like, it's not, it's not a good argument to say Bryce Harper is a face, a face of baseball, not even close. So I'm thinking about the ways in which you maximize the number of, like, baseball fans like, like like the ones that are really like that truly love baseball they'll show and I think with the with football in particular when you only have 16 games a year it's easier for fans to be like yeah it's $200 but like my team only plays eight home games you know I, I gotta sell out for those with baseball you're kind of like well you know it's April I can go in August or whatever like if, if I'm if I'm busy I'm not feeling it they have to have a section at every single part okay you see Marlins games, and, and, and we've talked about the Marlins already. You see Marlins games where the data shows you've got double-A teams around the country that are showing up more than, than for Marlins games. Like, that's inexcusable. Miami's a beautiful place. Um, I mean, some parts more than others. But in terms of getting that community invested, right, dude, there should be a section at every game, like $5 or less, right? Get maximize those fans at least, the ones that truly yeah. care. There are some folks, right, versus $5, you'll get those folks in the door. I think every single park, you know, obviously you can't, you can't allow everybody to go in that way, but um, I do like what the Falcons have done um, with their concessions. There's a concession prices are way down. Um, I think baseball fans have an opportunity to really capitalize that on as well. I know a few, a few folks that I go to games with and they're like, Oh, I I only go for the garlic fries at SF, which are by far by and large the best in baseball. So you got to market that game to the point where if people want the cheaper prices, give it to them because otherwise you're going to get no folks in the door, right? You may as well get those folks. If they're going once, get them coming five to 10 times because those, you know, those numbers will add up. And I think even if you're not netting like the profit, like if you sold one ticket for 50 bucks, 
But if they went like 10 times for $5 each, that's the same 50-50, right? But at the same time, you have more fans in the park and that'll, alleviate, that'll allow more fans to show up. So I think it's an interesting idea to play with in terms of capacity and for some teams to work better than others. But I think there should be a section at every game, five bucks, maybe 10, whatever it is, right? Just have a section designated for that. You'll get more folks in the door. It'll alleviate some of those concerns. This is more a, a need for one, the teams that aren't like, aren't doing well. I mean, if you're, if you're selling out every game, you're, you're in a good position. And then obviously this doesn't address the entire fact that baseball, you know, attention has been declining, but it does address, like you said, the untapped populations. I, my main point is I don't want baseball fans, like legitimate baseball fans, to not feel like they can go to a game because of price. I don't want that to be an issue. If that makes sense. I think it would dope if, be dope if there was like a, like a student section-esque section that you're describing. Justice, if there were $2 tickets at every A's game, we would be going like every other day, dog. <laughs> oh. In college. You would like, Bart sure. would be more expensive than that. <laughs> I know. Like, like, I would be down there. I you completely know? would be too. So in, in one of the books that I, I read this year, it's called You Gotta Have Wa, and it's about Japanese baseball. And it was talking about how Japanese teams, they have something similar to what Josh is talking about. Not necessarily in terms of the pricing be $5, but they have like these student sections. And that's the thing. It's like, like, like sections of like crazy fans, like those become well-known super easily. you got the A's in Oakland, Oakland, you got ASU with their curtain. And so the thing (laughs) is you can also play around with it and tailor that section to your city. So like, this is like a, this is a weird example, but like, let's say you're in the Yankees and you got like their section every time. Like if you want to like, like, ha- like, put a DJ in their section because, you know, Origins of Hip Hop and Rap is in, is in the Bronx. Put a DJ that's actually scratching and just, like, have them, like, in between innings. Or it's, like... Well, don't they have the Aaron, the Aaron Judge's, like... Judge, judge yeah, yeah, things like that. Or, like, King yeah. Felix's Corner. Like, those are, like, a oh, lot of things. Yeah. Where, like, maybe your section can be tailored to a player who has that personality. Like, if, like... And then that's how you go about like maximizing, like let, let's say the angels do it. Mm-hmm. Let's get a bunch of fishermen because of Mr. Mike Trout. <laughs> and this is like, or this is a super random example, but like I heard you know, famous skyline chili in Cincinnati. Let's get a, a chili section in Cincinnati. <laughs> I couldn't say that with a straight face, but there's like a lot of different ways you can go about this. The Philly section could just be the most abrasive fans that you could find. 100%. It's like you have to like this have is like boo section. Oh wait, it's that's like, whole stadium. Never it's mind. like you have to be like a certain age. You got to have like a certain amount of like gravitas, and then it's like yeah, get in there. No, Dog, when, the, when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts on a Friday, the reaction was so funny. EDP, <laughs> shout out to EDP. Shout out to EDP. <laughs> Mr. Patton, aka Mr. Dimmadome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmadome. Doug Dimmadome, owner of the Dimsdale. Commissioner Dimmadome. for a day. What are we doing? Well, I thank you for introducing me, Justice. Now, let me tell you something. As y'all know, I am a passionate fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, you know, the Houston Astros cheating scandal, that hit a little close to home with me. But I'm going to remove my You're from Texas, though. We thought you were from Texas. I'm from Texas, but now I'm an Angelino, as they say. (laughs) Came out to Hollywood. That's right. I gotta get it, get it up on my horse, and uh, I'm gonna replace McConaughey. I'm a stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But let me let me tell you something. Removing my fandom from the situation and looking at this objectively as a fan of the game of baseball, I think 
that what the Astros did is perhaps the most horrendous threat to the game that we've seen in decades. And I think that's undisputably true. And here's the bottom line. Major League Baseball is traditionally so hard on cheating. I mean, you look at you look at the 1919 Black Sox and Shoeless Joe, and you look framed. at Pete. What was that? Shoeless Joe framed. Yep. I just want to put that out there. I'm a Shoeless Joe apologist. <laughs> you know. No proof he threw the series. But Allegedly. He wrote the all-time hit leader. He ain't going to be in the Hall yeah. of Fame. He's banned for life. I mean, MLB is always coming down hard on these folks, these bandits, these vandals. But then we look at the Houston Astros, who used electronic devices, damn it, to steal signs and threatened the very integrity of the game. And it was the World Series. Now, look, here's the thing. There, it's beyond dispute that this influenced the gameplay. And anyone who was trying to say it didn't is darn toot and foolish for all I say. And here's the thing. I think that this creates a dangerous precedent since they let it slide and they only got a slap on the wrist, lost a couple draft draft picks. I mean, now the precedent's been set. So teams are saying, well, look, that's the sentence they got. We're probably going to get something similar too. What's deterring them from doing it down the road? I think also you look at the 2018 Red Sox, their punishment just came out, which was even lighter. And, and they mastermind between all of it both teams was the same guy it's Alex Cora what did he get he got suspended through the end of this 2020 season that might not even happen which means next year if we come back from baseball with no season that occurred this year he's he's got no sentence no punishment at all now what kind of punishment is that it's not I'm telling you that right now it's not a punishment so here's what I would do I would take away the title I would see which players were most involved who was pulling the strings behind the scenes and I would reprimand them, and I would probably look into a year-long suspension for each of those who are most involved in that. The managers, they'd be banned indefinitely. I'm not saying it has to be for life, but you do it indefinitely, let them appeal, maybe let them make a case for themselves. And frankly, though, with Alex Cora, given that he was on both teams that did it, you got to make an example of that man. you got to ban him for life. you got to really let people know Wow. This ain't going to happen again. We're drawing the line in the sand. Don't cross it. You come into my town, well, 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 you in trouble. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The Houston Astros did a great disservice, not only to the Los Angeles Dodgers, but to their fans and to all fans of baseball. To America. That's right. This is our pastime, damn it. And the Houston Astros isn't going to come in, and they isn't going to cheat us. I'm telling you what. When I'm sheriff, when I'm commissioner of baseball, I'm coming in and the Houston Astros are getting the death penalty, plain and simple. Wow. Now, if that's not a hot take, I don't know what is. That's that's nuclear right there. I mean, that those are some fighting words, man, well, and I'm not going to. The Alex Cora part is, is the exclamation point. How do you feel about the players, though? Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman? I think what's most despicable about the players is that they have shown zero remorse for their actions. I mean, that's just so pathetic to me. Like, zero guilt. Not one sense of it. And it's just like you see dudes like like Carlos Correa, you know, and like Jose Altuve unabashedly lying, trying to say he had a bad tattoo. What is that? Ain't nobody care about your damn tattoo. 
I don't know. All kinds of people got bad tattoos and they flaunt them all over television, man. So, you know, it's just kind of it's pathetic to me to see that they don't feel any remorse for this. And yes, so going back to what I said, if it was proven that some players were more involved than others and they thought up the idea and they would say, yeah, let's do this, even though it's wrong, because they know it's wrong. Nobody thought it wasn't wrong. And if they do that and we're still saying, yeah, let's go ahead and do it, then you know what? Yeah, I would come down hard on them. I don't think a year-long suspension is too radical at all. Players come. Union, you know what? We're going to step over you. Well, that, that's the whole point here. It's like, forget the Players Union. Yeah. Forget everyone else. This, this is, is ultimate power. Weird. Yeah. So we're we're essentially deleting the Houston Astros, or do we like relegate them, like Premier League, like they go down to AAA? Like, what's can they work their way back up? <laughs> are they deleted? Like, are they just gone forever? Look, the Astros they can stay in the league, but the thing is, I don't know what I would do. Would I take away a post? So you're taking away you're taking the championship. You're, you're taking away. The players for a year. You're, take them out of the take them out of the AL West. Let the A's and Angels battle it out, bro. Cor- they were in the NL for the longest time. They That's were, crazy. dude, because the NL Central had six teams for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. And then they're obviously covered in just like scandal forever, at least for the next couple decades. I mean, I like it. I mean, their name does start with an A. This is some some scarlet letter type stuff yeah, going on. They here. have to. They have to change their name for ten years to the Houston Astros. <laughs> they have to. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I think the problem is though, the only way you could build the rock solid case. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because you're just sheriff. You're deciding. You're judge, jury, executioner. But <laughs> it, in more pro- in more conventional terms, I guess you'd have to promise full immunity to the players in order to get the information you need to get like, oh yeah, we did X, Y, and Z. This is how it happened because they have a pretty good idea of how it happened, but there's still a lot unknown of how exactly it went down. So if you gave full immunity to Alex Cora and Jose Altuve, you say we're not going to suspend you. But tell us everything you know, or we're gonna suspend you. Uh, you know, I think you'd, you'd have to do some horse trading there, right there. So to get both of them suspended and the team belt just gone, maybe you lower their salary capabilities or something. They can't sign free agents. Maybe something along those lines. Or you put your entire family in AAA. No, but Joey, as a, as a Dodger fan, let's say, what if – so we, we just stripped them of the trophy. I guess by transitive property, that goes to the Dodgers? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, I do think that was the Dodgers trophy, and, you know, they were the team that year. But I just feel, as a fan, it wouldn't quite be the same. It wouldn't be as gratifying as seeing it happen in live action. Seeing we've the players seen with the NCAA, out. right, where they strip these teams of titles, but they don't award them, right? I don't. I, didn't Cody, Cody Bellinger also say like, "No, we don't want it. Like, it's not the same." Yeah, right? it's weird. It's a weird yeah. situation, right? Like, you don't want. So essentially, you just have no World Series champion that year. Essentially. I guess not. Yeah, which is like unprecedented. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I guess so, the yeah, short yeah. season, there was no World Series champion. Yeah, uh, 94, there was. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's You know what? As a Dodger fan, I'd be – if I was a Dodger fan, God bless I'm not, but uh, that would be – I'd be for what you just proposed. I, I yeah. like it. I thank you, Rory. What they did is, like, it's it, – you can't – it's like cheating's part of baseball, but when you bring the technology into it and you're using it for years – like there's slide cheating and there's deliberate cheating. Like there's a, there's a lot. Like they're not good yeah. either way. But like there's in like the spirit clear... of the game. That's not yeah. in the spirit of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very it's interesting just because sign stealing has been so embedded into the game. Like the 1951 Giants, the one like shot heard around the world. Like that's they had they, a guy they, in the scoreboard. They were cheating. There was also I forgot if it was. We're still not sorry about that, Dodger fans. <laughs> Nah, I forgot the Giants who it was. Win the, the Giants win the pennant. I think it was. I think it was Hank Greenberg, who was part of a team that did something similar, where they'd have someone in like the left field bleachers. Like cheating has been cheating is part of baseball. Don't get me wrong. Like sign stealing specifically, it's just. I think this cross, like I think those former instances crossed boundaries at their time, and it, I think this one does it as well. It's one thing for you to like. Have a runner on second, him decode the signs. That's because you suck at your signs, though. Like, that's your fault. Like, you got to mix it up. You know, that's you, within you, the game. But, like, you, you know what? Yeah. Go ahead. There's nothing you can do to counter someone with a camera. Yeah. There's literally nothing you can do. True. You know what's interesting about that is, you know, you, you know how they always talk about in football? Like, yeah, we go watch film after the game and stuff like that. You don't really talk about watching film and baseball as much, but to the degree that to which it's evolved over the past ten years is actually pretty extensive. They do. I was watching, they, I was watching an old documentary about like the Giants. Pitches. They, they show. Yeah, that was what I was gonna get at. Yeah. They, they watch the pitchers for tipping pitches or like certain things. Like, obviously, they're watching like ball placement. They're they're, go, they're going over the analytics and stuff. But like the degree to which like players study their opponents is a very fair thing. It's something that like. Like, I think is like a part of the game, like you said. It's not like a cheating thing. It's just something that, like, observing your opponent is, is natural. Like, in Little League, when the yeah. new pitcher coming up, hey, watch the pitcher. What has he got, right? Like, yeah. that's a very normal thing. And I think the use of technology to improve that off the field is okay. But in the field, like, you're completely right about how this is an unprecedented situation. And I think Joey's right that with the light punishment, why would you not take the risk now? Like, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to have a media firestorm for a few weeks, and then it's going to go away. So this is what A-Rod said about um, when, he, when he got caught in 09 with steroids. Yeah. Yeah, this is the worst that could happen. I'll do it again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this. You have to make it to the point where it's just, there's no coming back from it. You're banned from the Hall of Fame. Your title's taken away. You're relegated, or you're just prevented from making conventional moves that a rule following MLB. just just take steroids because after you retire and after being caught twice you still get to um marry j-lo and be an analyst on espn yeah <laughs> shout out a-rod living your best life he was just on hot ones he's doing it good. he was on hot ones yeah with jimmy I gotta, fallon i gotta watch that bro yeah, a-rod's like, the biggest star in mlb and he's not even playing think about that let that sink in folks yeah that's a good point <laughs> let that sink in but yeah, like the whole thing with like tipping pitches and like decoding that, that's, we've seen that even like as recently as the NLD, no, ALDS, 
when Tyler Glass and I was tipping his pitches and the Astros caught onto it super quickly, they mm-hmm. just lit him up. And I think a similar thing happened with Zach Wheeler a while back. So like the idea of like watching film to decode pitches when it's not in real time. And that's the thing too. Baseball has become so technologically centric. Like you have Edgartronic cameras, you have TrackMan. I was contemplating, like I was like doing a lot of stuff on jerseys, just like looking back on old jerseys, like how this, like how the, was the, how like the fabric has evolved, how it went from like pajamas to like super sleek. And maybe you see something where like jerseys have like technology embedded into them too. Like they can track your heart rate and stuff of that nature. And so technology is not going away. If anything, it's just going to further advance. I think it crossed the line though. I think it really did cross the line because you're doing it in game. And you're using, you're kind of triangulating all the different levels of cheating on the field with the camera in the dugout, relaying it to the player. That's just, there's so much going on there that's way too calculated and going against the spirit of the game completely. That's unacceptable to me. Yeah, and it's kind of like, just because of how many steps were like allegedly involved in this, it's like you would have the camera, the camera had to be positioned in a certain place, someone had to be watching it, someone had to be relaying it. We're banging on a trash can. (laughs) It's like, I don't really buy the argument that no one thought they were doing anything wrong. Oh, they knew 100%. It's like, there's been so many, like there was so many different steps to doing it. It, At some point it's like, no one was ever like. And also proof that it worked. Like Like sometimes it's like, it's like, I hate to like make this comparison with like missed like like uh, manslaughter, right? It's like one of those things where like the thing actually happens. Sometimes you're not always at fault. It the results they won the World Series. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, that's tangibly like success that was gained from yeah. that. It's one of those things that if they cheated and they didn't win, well, you could little bit justify like the I don't know. But the ramifications are like we didn't know it was right. Well, you won a World Series and you got this looming over your head. There you go. The one that I want to get into, and it's not it's not super spicy, but personally, there's like there's like a, a laundry list of things that I think that Major League Baseball uh, can do better in terms of on the field and it just in every single aspect of the game. And there was a lot of things that I wanted to to target, um, like some of the smaller things. It's like I want like get rid of the one out minimum. I'm imme- I'm immediately overturning that. Um, you know, maybe something with a pitch clock to speed things up. A super like very like super minute thing is making it easier for two way designation, which is the the way that two way designation works is you have to pitch twenty innings and start twenty games as a position player, which is why it's the Otani rule. It's like so specific to Otani specifically that like the Brendan McKay's of the world or the Michael Lorenzens they can't get it because they don't hit both of them. So I think making two-way designation easier is something that I would do. Um, But the one thing that if I had to do it, this is the one thing I'm implementing. And even as I say that, it's hard just because like there's, there's, there's so much that I think baseball needs to alter, but the one thing that I'm implementing and it's very tricky. And so I would need to flesh this out like a lot more, like, because there's going to be questions asked, but I'm changing arbitration. Well, <laughs> and and the, I have a ration, I have rationale to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying this. I'm gonna go on the record and say I despise arbitration as a concept in Major League Baseball. I think arbitration is it's it's 
okay, in, in what other arena, in, in what other business, like if we're, gonna, if we're gonna take a step back, it's like, this is how it works. You produced very well for our organization and we're gonna compensate you for it. You're gonna give us a number, but what, what we're gonna do is we're gonna say why you don't deserve that money, why you are a scrub. We're gonna have a lawyer that we hire go against you and argue as to why you don't deserve that money. That just, as a concept, that doesn't make sense to me. If you truly love your employee and want to pay him handsomely, why are you going to great lengths to be like, nah, you don't deserve that money. And, and, and the biggest thing is you're alienating him right then and there. Like, I don't like if someone's going to leave when they become an unrestricted free agent, it's like, yeah. Like we see this with Chris Bryant with his service time manipulation back in 2015. It's like, that's going to affect you to some extent. But the reason I want there, there's more there's two reasons the first reason is that it's just the fact that major league baseball players don't get paid what they're worth because they don't well I don't want to say what they're worth but they're they're not getting their maximized earnings because they hit free agency so late it's why you see like a guy like Mike Moustakis who hits 30 home runs has a great season but because he's up in the age no one's going to touch him with a 10-foot pole this is referring back to like 2018 not this past offseason or why Dallas, I believe it was Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell who weren't signed like when they were the prime free agents. It's because they were on the older side and no one wants to give up that contract. Even the same thing with Harper and Machado. Like they were on the, the younger end of the spectrum and they're like, they didn't get paid until damn near spring training. So what I would do is I'm not just going to straight up get rid of arbitration. It's like you become an unrestricted free agent after three years of service time, I think, and for the sake of this, we're going to like service time has to, like that has to kind of be ironed out because there's the, the super two things. There's like service time manipulation, a lot of things, but what I would change arbitration to is I would do, I would follow in the NBA's tracks and I would do restricted free agency. You can you receive an offer sheet from other teams. And if you want to go, you can go, but that's the thing. Your team can match. Right. And I, w- I think what I would do is I would do it similar in that you have to play a certain amount of years to get a certain amount of money. Like Zion Williamson's max amount of earnings, like if he was to sign an extension tomorrow are a lot different than LeBron James. So you would init- in- implement some like year based, like you can only get paid this amount by like this much that'll, it'll go up every year, something like that. So on one end, you get your guys paid earlier. Like, you don't have to wait until your age 30 season to really cash out. It's the reason why Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies, and even to a lesser extent, Luis Robert, it's the reason they sign those extensions. Because there's always that fear that, like, if shit hits the fan in two years, I'm not going to get paid. Yeah, that if, Acuna get, if Acuna has an ACL injury, loses all his speed, loses his power, he's not getting his payday. So it's just get the – it's the same thing with Scottie Pippen. That we seen on the last dance. He wanted that long-term security because there was just that looming, like, I might not get my mine later. Yeah. So that's one end of it. The other end of it, and this is going back to, like, the popularity of the game. We live in a capitalist society, and when money is being thrown around, it's interesting. When Bryce Harper signs a 13-year contract, when Manny Machado signs a big deal, when Bryce Harper, when Mike Trout's going to make $400 million, that sells. It's like, you spent how much on a dude? You're paying him how much? I got to go see him. If he, I got to go see the $300 million man. I got to see the $400 million man. I got to see, like, when you have, like, 
the only people who are really talking about like when, when money wasn't being spent back in like 2018 and 17, the people who were talking about it were like the baseball diehards. You weren't seeing a lot of casual fans like, Oh yeah, look at major league baseball, not paying anyone. <laughs> like regardless of what sport it is, if you see like, like baseball contracts already blow NBA contracts out the water. You see someone signed for 300 million, 400 million, 450. And I think in our lifetime, someone's eventually going to get 500 million. You mean to tell me that the first $500 million man isn't going to get like all the intrigue in the world. And even the same. So going back to arbitration, like, even if it, that's like, you're going to sign like a three, like, I guess to further iron out this idea what I think for restricted free agency is that it's a max of three years. So it's like, it would just take up those three arbitration years. But you know, what if you see someone, he's like 22 years old and signs a hundred million dollar contract, like extension, like, like we've seen dudes like Andrew Wiggins getting paid that much super early in their careers. And that obviously brings some intrigue to them. So that's my idea. If I had to do one thing, we're switching it out for restricted free agency. There's a lot of that has to be flushed out there. It gets the guys paid earlier. And it gets the fan intrigue going on. I, I really like that That's idea. Great. I think what your point about it generating fan interest is actually really significant because with the NBA, I mean, you look at the ratings. The ratings aren't great. They've even fallen. But the off-season rumor mill and just, like, the constant player movement generates a lot of fan interest. That's why NBA Twitter is this massive thing is people are always speculating about – Oh, this guy's gonna join with this guy. He's signing for this much. So I I really like that point about it generating fan interest because you're right. When there's no money being spent, or if it's like three million for a middle reliever, you're like, all right, great. You want to see those big crazy numbers? And if we if we think about it from like a casual perspective, like let's say let's say Chris Bryant for example, because he's still arbitration eligible. Let's say he loses his arbitration hearing. If as a casual fan you hear that you're like what the what the hell does that mean he lost his arbitration hearing, but then on the flip side of that if the Chicago White Sox were to offer him like if like let's just say this is Chris Bryant entering his his hypothetical restricted imagine phrase. him going the White Sox I love this <laughs> the White Sox offer him a hundred million for his arbitration restricted free agency years that's a that's news in and of itself. They, well, for one thing they offered him, but then it's also do the, do the Cubs match. And then you get all the salary cap guys going. MLB Woj, Jeff Hassan. And then it's like, if the, (laughs) if the Cubs decide to match, it's like, should they have matched? Was that a good idea? If they don't decide to match, it's like, you just let your guy go. Was that a good idea? Right. So then you get the talking heads going into this. This, this really does benefit the players, not the owners. I was, I was going to say one other. Yeah, that's the most the, player friendly. Yeah, it is. This is. I will say that this has, like, this has the owners. The I mean, owners I already canceled all mind. the owners, so just that's, that's I, I opened the lane for justice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Roy through the line. I was like, I'm banning you, Houston Astros style. But yeah, that's the like. That's obviously the biggest thing. That's the reason why you see service time manipulation. That's the reason why you have these guys fighting for a percentage of what they're worth. That's why the strike is so they're not the strike. That's why losing this season is so significant because if you're the Cleveland Indians, you're losing a a season of cheap Francisco Lindor. If you're the Cubs, you're losing a season of cheap Chris Bryant. 
if you're the Dodgers, you might you're not losing get... all of Mookie Betts, dog. You, you might lose all of Mookie Betts. No. Sorry, <laughs> so, Joe. Sorry, Joey. That's an aspect of it. Dodge. It's 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 what's what's right for the players. I think the players' association would eat this up. I think owners would freak the hell out. <laughs> you know, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, you know, be funny as televising these arbitration hearings. Oh God! <laughs> Could you imagine like how much backlash? Yeah. The, like, Dude, J- Jeremy Affelt shared some insight in his arbitration. They basically the Royals when they when they had him, they called him a lefty specialist and ended with Mr. Affelt. This isn't a very good pitcher. <laughs> so bad. Like when I first, I was in like the. I think it was when Linscombe was arbitration eligible. That's when I first. I think he was a super yeah. two. Actually. I remember that. Same. I remember that. Same. And I he was asked like, 13 and they offered eight, right? Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is like, <laughs> this doesn't like, even to like someone that follows the game around, like not the dot, like the super nerdy diehard, but like, let's just say like somewhere between diehard and casual. If you would try to like, be like, this is what arbitration is. This is a super two. They're going to be like, what the hell? But if you just say, this is restricted free agency, they match, they offer, they match, they let them go. If that's it, then it's like, shit. Okay. Yeah. No, I think you're right because it is already so skewed towards the owners that uh, something like this is a step in the right direction for the players. Um, and you see, like, like you make the Albies uh, example, it especially affects these players from Latin America, from places like the Dominican Republic, where their whole life has been about just securing that bag, getting the money for their family, and they get manipulated. And when Albie signed that contract, everyone's like, what are you doing, dude? That's way under value. But he's like, no, I just need that money guaranteed right now for my family. And they manipulate him. So Rory Trilly is the Bernie Sanders of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Ozzy Albies deserves more money. (laughs) So I looked it up. I just searched Ozzy Albies extension. Very first thing that pops up. I'm going to read this headline verbatim. Ozzy Albee's new deal could be the worst an MLB player has ever signed. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so trash. And it's like, it can, it, what can and end up happening? Andy, where is he from? The Dominican? Second right. best, second best, second baseman in baseball. He's somewhere in, in, the, in the NL. <laughs> but it's like, it can be like a double whammy for a player. It's like, you don't, like, what if you have like a breakout season in your last year? Like, it's, it's kind of what we see with Christian Yelich right now. Yeah. It's like, I think he, he got supremely underpaid. And, like, you could argue Mookie Betts is the better player. That's, like, a whole different thing because Mookie's probably going to get way more than Yelich. But it's like he didn't really become who he was until, like, his like the later stages of, like, in the whole, like, grand scheme of your first three years where you're just getting, like, the split contract and then the last three with arbitration. And then on the back end of it – so he didn't get, like, his maximum potential earnings – during the first six years, then after that, it's like, you're not going to get your max potential earnings because you're just like, no one wants to sign you these big deals. So by the end of it, it's like, you have left. Like if you just go like production per year versus what you actually made by that point, you're leaving millions of dollars on the table. Yeah. And as you mentioned, especially for the guys where it's like, you want to provide for your family. And I'm like, not to say like, you can't provide, like, this is not a Latrell Sprewell. I'm trying to feed my family situation because it's millions of dollars, but it's, it's still like on the end of it, it's like, you could potentially be sacrificing upwards of 20, 30, 40, 50 million by the, the time everything's all said and done. Yeah. 
It's just the market should bear what you actually what your actual value is. It should not be artificially deflated in the interest of a franchise. I think. And I think what we're saying here is that arbitration really takes the minimum and this restricted free agency idea would really get them what they deserve. Right. Yeah. Speaking of what they deserve, um, if I could do, so the, the other one that I was really like, Go on for the, it. About, the, if I was, if I was commissioned, this is the second thing I'm doing. This is one, a one B. And th- there's a lot that goes in. There's like minor things that go into this, but the main thing is one, this is, this is minor league related. First thing, I'm not getting rid of the teams. Talked about this with Cameron Eden a couple podcasts ago. What did Bernie say? Huh? Bernie actually said this. We got to save the teams. So one end of it is I'm saving the teams. Like, not to reiterate my whole conversation with Cameron, but it's like, these are communities. You're not, like, you're losing out on potential fans. Yada, yada, yada. That they even consider that. So that's one end of it. The other end of it, and again, this is very own, not owner-friendly, but again, we disbanded owners all pay, pay them more. <laughs> I'm, I'm instituting a minimum $30,000 salary. Regard, like, that's the – and I'm talking about, like – Some kind of living wage. Minimum. Yeah. Like, I'm, that's like A-ball, like minimum $30,000 salary. Like, one of the books that I read during quarantine was, like, Where Nobody Knows Your Name. And it's, like, you have the host family situation. you got them traveling in buses – it's you have ridiculous. like these sharing rotisserie chickens share like oh. one like one whole team sharing 20 like a rotisserie chickens like you can't tell me that like you can't give mike trout a 400 million dollar contract and then say we don't have money for you you know what would be huge though off that i think if a major league player a star came out and made this an issue or just like it was like yeah. this is ridiculous that my my guys in in minor league baseball are getting paid dirt. I think that would really get the ball moving because, like, there's been countless articles and books written about this, but it just doesn't break through the mainstream bubble. If you had someone like a Mike Trout, Bryce Harper come out and say this is ridiculous, I think that would be huge. And be like loud about it too, because yeah. it's one thing to just because you can speak in baseball as and be like, yeah, it sucks that our guys aren't getting paid, but if you had like especially if it was Mike Trout, because he doesn't say anything. Oh, he, my God. Mike Trout came out and was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> Rob, Rob, man. Buster, Buster Posey saying this, everybody be like, whoa. Oh <laughs> it's like, that's because you, you have guys like Eric Sim. I, I believe that's what his name is. Eric Sim, Matt Perret. I think Ty Kelly is like the, the minor, like there's a, there's prominent minor leaguers on Twitter who are like, like you have like Eric Sim, who's like, he's constantly deriding the minor leagues for not paying him anything. Yeah. And like we've read articles, like like the enough, stories. Enough, the stories are yeah. The stories are hard to hear. There's enough stories to fill an entire book, and especially when you start talking about guys who did come from like areas that aren't particularly well off that have to endure these. And then you also have to consider like where are these guys playing, the circumstances. Like some got like I, I can't remember all the stories that I read in where nobody knows your name, but it's like having to travel like stupid amount like of distance playing games in like terrible conditions and it's not like bull durham it's not <laughs> lelouch it is not it's not like, well, i'm actually i was it's thinking like about sugar, that if anyone's seen sugar that's what sugar's like. a great movie yeah. but i was i was actually thinking about it because i rewatched bull durham two days ago 
And it's actually a really good representation of life in the miners. Like you have this super small town traveling in buses. Like when, uh, when crash yeah. was talking about his time in the majors, he was like, you don't even carry your bags. Like everyone was like huddled around him. was like, Oh shit, this yeah. is crazy. That's life in the majors. And it's like super small town. Like but you don't got Susan Sarandon, you know, there's no Susan Sarandon's waiting for you in most minor league baseball clubs. They actually, there's I a rotisserie that. chicken, and they say, "Here's a leg." Let me look up what his name is because the guy that was based off that Nuke Lelouch was based off actually passed. Uh, Steve Dalkowski. He actually passed away a couple of days ago. Wow. That was, that was the inspiration for Nuke Lelouch. He actually like he was a guy like threw a lot of like a lot of strikeouts, threw hard, lots of walks, and never made it. But so, R.I.P. I have like one I have like one more that I really want to hit on the head because I have the stats like the math to back it up oh yes all right the math major I I texted you guys about it and like I think there's been so much debate about it and I don't know when the decision is gonna be made but I feel like we're on the cusp of it it to me look there are opinions on both sides the designated hitter has to be consistent for both leagues Yes. Right. Whether it's whether it's no DH or only DH, pick one for both leagues. And here's no, why. It's insane. That it's like two different. The pitcher's spot in the lineup is one ninth of your lineup, one ninth of your bats. Now, obviously, in the National League, you know your starter goes six innings, gets two or three at bats, right? You have a pinch hitter for a couple at bats, whatever it is, right? If you think about that, so one ninth is eleven percent, right? That's eleven percent of your at bats, right? Either way, whether you have a pitcher there or a designated hitter, hitter. Um, you know, you can take, let's say, the two-thirds or three-fourths of the at-bats from that spot in the lineup in a game are from the pitcher or from the DH. You're looking at 6% of your at-bats, 6 to 10% of your at-bats for an entire season from that spot. Think That's about how, how many at-bats that is and how that affects baseball history. Now, like, like, like the fact that there's that inconsistency, that little blip in the radar, maybe this is the way history should be played out. But I guarantee you, right, like, like even in one game, having a regular hitter over a pitcher. Now, pitchers, some, some Rick. I love Madison Bumgarner. I love his personality. I love that he advocates for himself to, to hit. You got the guys like Shohei Otani, Michael Lorenzen, the ones who the do, the do-it-alls. But to the extent to which the game has been so impacted by – that discrepancy and like the fact that oh we're playing in an NL park we got to have the pitcher hit or right. NL park right it just it it boggles my mind how much that little difference has impacted the history of baseball and I think that you know maybe people like that uncertainty maybe people want like uh, um, that experience in terms of uh, uh, the pitcher hitting in the National League but in the AL you know they do things differently nah man they got to make that thing consistent you don't see that in any other sport where in one stadium you got this going on another you got that going on. It's nuts. Six percent of six to ten percent of the at bats in a season. I mean, I, my personal preference, the pitchers hit. Okay, pitchers are pitchers can hit. Okay, but so you're I banning also, the DH. I'm banning the DH. However, I also understand if you go DH both ways. I think that that's better than what we have. No, currently. we ban the DH. You know, I actually, Josh, I never really bothered me that it was different in both leagues. As a matter of fact, I kind of liked it because. Ooh. Us all being fans of NL teams, I think we all agree that we don't like the DH. Josh, you just said yourself, you would get rid of it if you had to choose one or the other. But then flip it, and I know so many teams of fans of American League teams that really adore the DH and love it, and they'd be outraged if they got rid of it. And I just think the way it's working right now, it really does allow fans to get the best of both worlds. Like, how often, I don't know how many teams – how many games each team plays interleague, 
but most of your games are going to be like within 15. your same league anyway. Yeah. How many of you said 13? 15, right? 15, 15. yeah. Well, yeah. And here's yeah, and here's so, a yeah. – go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, even then, it's okay. So, 15 games, you got to deal with an adjustment. Okay. I don't think that's too big a deal. That's less than 10% of your 162. So, maybe it's not that big a deal. And the solution is fairly simple. If you're visiting them, all right, just play by their rules. I don't necessarily think it's too has too big an effect on the regular season play. Now, here's an argument, though, that affects – okay. This is actually for the DH. Managers have to manage games differently in the AL and NL because when you take your pitcher out and you put in a pinch hitter and, and sometimes you do double switches, the pitcher's spot in the lineup changes. So if you're going 15 innings, which, by the way, we, I have some suggestions for extra innings, but, like, <laughs> you're, you have more players that are going to get hurt in the National League, and I think the data backs that up because you have guys you – ha- you're going to have to have weird situations, and you have to consider that. With the DH, you have that guy consistently there, so you don't have to worry about all these nuances which the National League managers have to do. I saw this once with the tw- when the Twins visited the Dodgers. It was the one game I've been at Dodger Stadium where Paul Molitor didn't know the rules of a double switch, and he left Ad- Ere Adrianza in the game when he was actually taken out of the game. So there are a lot of nuances to that where players – like, like National League players get more exhausted because of that, and they're at higher risk for injuries. Now, I don't know the exact crunching the numbers on that, but that is an argument for the DH that I think truly does affect the way that you look at, like, the way the games are managed. The double switch aspect doesn't have to happen in the AL because the DH is just in that pitcher's spot, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, for me, I'm – I, I can see it both ways. Because, like, on one end of, like – like, we were, I, one of the things I've been doing during this quarantine is watching the, the Dorktown episodes of the Mariners. And, like, who is one of the central figures in this story? Edgar Martinez. What position was he? Designated hitter. And so I don't think it's an either or it's kind of, it's like stylistic preferences. Like, do you like to watch the Houston Rockets jack up hella threes? Or do you like to watch like a more balanced approach, like the Golden State Warriors back in 2017? Or do you like to like watch like one man wrecking crews? It's kind of like, you can, like, you can choose. No one's holding a gun to your head and saying, Hey, you have to watch DH or no DH. Like, you, like, I know the whole thing about this has been like, oh, like right now we don't have agency to do anything, but like, dude, change the channel. Or it's like, you know, there are ways to watch American League teams. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I'm not outing anyone, <laughs> especially if it's going to further hinder my ability to watch future games. That, but I think it, it, I like it for the, like, I am personally, I like both. And I know this is, this is counter to Josh, but like personally, I like both. I think it's a, wow. it's a fun little nuance. Baseball's a weird sport. Let's just get weird still. Or it's like because it leads to situations where Brian Wilson is hitting with the bases loaded in the National League Championship game. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like I can't necessarily pick a side. I just think the consistency. That that's why I'm not truly like I need to pick this side because I do see the argument for both sides. I'm kind of like let's just roll with it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Base. I don't think baseball was ever like like everything with baseball seems like tacked onto each other to where the point that there's like inconsistencies and it's like it's a beautifully inconsistent game so like that's probably the best argument for keeping it that way but i also see josh's point of view where he's just like it is kind of insane to have almost 10 percent of your at bats are affected yeah and you're in the same professional league but like different managers have like a different concept of what managing even means and what the game even is and isn't the term designated hitter? That's like just like an 
oxymoron in baseball. You're a designated hit. That's like I'm all-time uh, pitcher in kickball. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's, <laughs> let's all get around here, you know? Man. Yeah, I, I have so much respect for nationally managers having to go through that, man. Yeah, and it's like, how is that? Is it, are they, are you saying it's harder to be a manager than nationally? I, oh, I, it's not harder. I, th- I, think, I think when you get to that level, you know the nuances of both. I'm just saying you, you have so many more things to think about. Like, truly. Yeah. My point is, though, like, it's not, it's nonsensical to have one, if you're going to call it as part of a unified league, and then you have these different mm-hmm. rules. I agree I with know. you. In no other sport it's do you see that. Nuts. Yeah, but I, I can see, like, baseball is weird. Baseball sure. is super weird. Baseball is weird, I'll admit. Yeah. Like, we talk about, like, home field advantage, but, like, that could, it's very subjective. It's like, is there actually a home field advantage? With this, it's like, there's for surely a home field advantage, especially if you're te- – especially in the World Series. Like, But I think we not take so- for granted that pitchers suck at hitting, but that's because we emphasize we don't want you to get hurt and practice as much as you can on your throwing mechanics. But if we just decided, hey, there's a competitive edge in making sure every single one of my pitchers can hit at least the Mendoza line, like that's that could be. There's no reason pitchers have to suck it in. If you're if you're hitting above 150 for me and you're a pitcher, I respect you. Yeah, there's no reason they have to suck at hitting. It's only because of the modern emphasis on like. Right. I mean, these guys are athletes. They grew up hitting. You know, it's yeah. like, I, I, I think Some of them were amazing position players. Yeah, like what's right, the, right. There's like. The, the thing that's really sad about baseball is that only like one or two clips ever go viral and they just get recycled into eternity, specifically on Instagram. But there's this one clip of like this kid on LSU and he like, he's a pitcher, but he hits a home run. And like the announcer's like, what was your mentality? Go yard. <laughs> revealed in like the post-game press conference that he never hit in high school. But like he told his coach like, yeah, I hit dingers. But it's like this wow. dude, like who doesn't even hit? Just hit- That's the most Louisiana thing ever. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there definitely, there definitely should not be a DH. In my opinion, in like the high school and college levels, man. Because if if you lose oh, it, no. then, there's no way you'll be able to hit it once you get to the national league. No, yeah. I think I feel like pitchers don't have to be like predisposed to not being able to hit. That's what right, I'm saying. Right. One thing. I think the game needs – we do need to make the game a little more exciting, and we do need to put some juice into it. And, Justice, you kind of started to touch on this, but you moved on to, you know, contract stuff. And I think one thing I think needs to be done for baseball, I would look in to eliminating extra innings during the regular season at a Dude, certain point. This is literally what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I think you can Wait. have a 10th and an 11th. But after the 11th inning, if this looks like it's going nowhere, I mean, honestly, you got to look to another option at that point. I think this is a Justin Turner proposal, and I think I would try this with this experimental 2020 season. We don't know what's going to happen. I think at the end of the 11th inning, if it's going nowhere, oh, home run brings out their top three hitters, and they have a home home run derby. In soccer, they have a penalty kick shootout. In ice hockey, they have a shootout. Why not do the same in baseball? I love this idea so much. Yeah, why not cap extra innings at the 11th? After the 11th, three-on-three home run derby. Joey, this is my exact idea. My only hang-up with this is in the postseason, what do you do? Oh, well, okay, the postseason, that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's the way stakes are higher. And frankly, I mean, 
we've seen how ridiculous management gets in the postseason, and you're burning arms like it's nobody's business. I mean, you got to expect you go to extra innings. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I would bring it back to just extra I, all the way through. The I don't, I don't often agree with Justin Turner, but I agree. This is such a good take. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can create like a twenty seventh man who's one responsibility to just hit. <laughs> There's your DH, bro, bro, There's Chris DHAL. Chris like, Carter, like, Joey Gallo, like, Mark Mark Reynolds. <laughs> like you can't tell me that like a fifty year old Barry Bonds couldn't like be a twenty seventh man if his one. Oh, can you runs. imagine poisoning team chemistry while just being or or better team. yet, better yet, Ichiro Suzuki sneaking. Ichiro, he's never gonna age. I love this idea so much, though. This is fantastic. Like imagine, so it's. How many pitches do you get? Is it like one pitch, one batter, and then you cycle to the next guy? Like you either hit it out or you don't. Also, who's throwing? T ball. (laughs) (laughs) They put the machine out there, bro. The robot ump goes out there and throws it. How has no one brought up robot umps yet, by the way? That is shocking to me, but. On the last podcast, I said that I was in favor of no robot umps. Yeah. Wait, Josh, how how would this work though? The robot umps? Yeah. Oh, like oh, like you mean you mean you mean just in general or like in no, a, no, a no, mis- not 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 robot umps. How would this home run derby penalty shootout thing work? Oh, oh, well, I think I think Joey has some good ideas here. I think it's one of those things you could look at the model for soccer. You could look at like um the so like, soccer you get one attempt though. Yeah, you get I don't know. You could get like. I don't know, 10 pitches, and you just have, like, a coach going through. I don't know, something along those lines. Or, or batter or, like, 10 pitches for all three guys? See, this is, this, is, this is such a wild interpretation to me. It's like there's a, it's, everything's on the table. Like, you could have three guys. You could have just one guy that you pick. You could do a substitution. You could, <laughs> you could do one guy versus three guys? Like, you believe I, in your dude? I don't know, like, man. You just go. get, like, just 10 pitches or something, man. And, and fans, fans, fans would buy bleacher. Guys, imagine how many more fans would buy bleacher tickets just for this. Dude, <laughs> amazing. Dude, this I is a good idea. idea. so much. And it's this just like good it's great for the Twitter era and Instagram. Yeah. And and here's what's wild about it. It's such a wild thing, but I also don't think it's completely ridiculous, to my, in, in my opinion. Because you're right. There's precedent in other leagues. I don't think it's completely ridiculous. And, like, there's nothing worse than being in Cleveland in the 15th inning. Right. And it's, it's – the <laughs> other alternative that – <laughs> Like, the other alternative that some teams are doing is putting the runner at second base, nobody out, and that's like that's I hate interesting. That. But I don't like it either. Yeah, I think it, so it, I explored that at first, and I realized like that takes so much of the equation now, and it, it's unfair to the pitcher. Like, quite frankly, like yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. Like me personally, like I'm a I'm a baseball purist in that sense. So like I'm cool with like I'm cool with the extra innings. I'm cool with just like keeping it how it is. But I definitely understand the appeal because again like last podcast we were talking about things like that are instagram friendly that are social media friendly and someone like if it was like a home run like an actual home run derby type situation where it's like you know the guy is like he needs to hit like x amount like x amount of minutes then he gets it then he wins that's fun that, that that's some drama but like me personally i would like to keep it og joey i know you got to get out of here or Mr. Mr. Dimmodome, I know you got to head over to the Dimmodome and see how things are going around. I hear they're trying to open up the, I hear they're trying to open it back up to the public. So I, I, we'll let you tend to that. Joey's got to go herd cattle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, until until next week, y'all. Mr. Dimmodome. Y'all have a great rest of your show. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Bye, Joey. 
So what other what other ideas do we got here? I actually have one. I have like a lot actually. If, you, if I just pull up like my little notepad, like I, have, <laughs> I even a front. Should we go? Should we go like rapid fire now? It's, yeah, I, well, I ain't even gonna front like that one that Joey just brought up was like the main one that I was gonna like slam dunk home. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna lie, that was the one. But um, I, I want to I want to I want to spin some ideas off for you guys. So you go ahead. Yeah, we're we're about to, like the hour and a half mark. We're approaching that, so I think let's go through like our kind of like our smaller ones. Let's like do some rapid fire. Um, the one for me, and this isn't really like a it doesn't fall under like game, but I think it'd be fun. I think there should be. Like in addition to all the awards that we have, I think we should have a first, second, and third team. And not just one that's like MLB.com's first, second, and third team. I think all I mean, MLB first team. All MLB first team. I like that. Second team. Just because it's like, it, it creates a little juice. Like, you can't, like, imagine. Because, like, we have, like, the basically the only one we have is MVP and Cy Young. And there's, like, a lot of seasons where it's, like, you know, it's over. So, like, you can't tell me there'd be, like, a like Chris Bryant's MVP or, like, well, let's go to like this past year where it's like Matt Chapman was probably like he, this was arguably the season where he became the better defender than right. Arenado, but Arenado has the home runs, but then Arenado has Coors Field. Right. Like if Matt Chapman was hypothetically to win first team over Arenado, that would spark some discussion. That would be fun. Yeah. So I'm definitely in, and then you can that do the first same thing. B block right there. Like you can do something with like an all rookie team too, but like rookies are very hit or miss. It's like, That's you, true. like you might have like a like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning all rookie third baseman with like a a WRC plus of yeah, like rookie stuff. But I, I I like the idea because it helps us contextualize like who are the best players in the league as opposed to just like a you're just throwing all the all stars together. Like you'd be like, yeah. okay, who's actually yeah. the best third baseman. Who's the best center fielder? He's the third mm-hmm. best. I really, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then yeah. the thing is, well, like, it's it's kind of like Pro Bowls and All Stars. It's like, is that really an indication? Well, not Pro Bowls. Is it? Pro- yeah, it's like Pro yeah, Bowls. It's like, is this really an indication of who's the best? No. All, like, yeah. Like in 2010, Buster Posey's Rookie of the Year. He's arguably the best catcher in baseball, if or one of them. But he's not even an All Star because he came up late. Yeah. And then Jake like, Arrieta. Jake Arrieta didn't make the All Star the year he won Cy Young. And then you also have like dudes like, wow. like a, this is picking on some Cubs, but like Brian Lahare, I think I, I tweeted about him a while ago, or like Kosuke Fukudome. It's like, were they really the yeah. best player at the end of their year? I don't think so. But no, if you had no. like the, I think that creates another thing. It, it kind of does what the NBA does, where it's like this person has eight all MLB first teams, and it's, and yeah, it gives you a snapshot of like who was the best players at like yeah. this year because. I think one of the faults with like one thing that I think basketball does well because of this or because they have it is it's like the Bill Simmons wine cellar thing. It's like, we don't just talk about LeBron James. We're like 2012 LeBron. We don't just talk about Curry. We say 16 Curry Mm -hmm. because unless you have like an MVP season, it's really hard to do that in baseball. Like me personally, like I, I guess I'll tease this, but like right now I'm doing a little, a little project on the best version of Barry Bonds. And like, what season was he at his best? And that, that's like basically that's twenty two seasons to go over. Mm-hmm. When you think of Bonds, like, yeah, you might be like two thousand four, but then it's like, okay, I think of Barry Bonds as a concept, not like breaking it down. But like Jordan, Michael Jordan, it's like, do we go ninety six when he was coming off that seventy two and ten? Do you go like ninety two when he's like more athletic? It's like, where do you go here? And I, I think baseball needs yeah. a little bit of that where it's like it's not just a player who is like an entire career it's like 
like the 92 version of him, the 2012 version of him. Like right. Those. And you can point to that first team selection to make your case. Right. And, yeah. And then like, just to like drive it home. It is, it's fun for conversation. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit tough. It's skewed more towards batters. Cause if, if you're looking at pitchers and specifically starters and relievers, you break that down. It would t- be tough to like designate just one individual or, or two or three. Oh, for so, pitchers, I would go a five-man yeah. rotation and then yeah, like, rotation for sure. So you, like, you you do a full five people for each first, second, third team. You think? Yeah, I I, okay. I don't know yeah. how I would do with pitchers just because you know you have yeah. the opener situation and it's right. It's, it's tough. kind of how the NBA is gravitating towards just guard forward or like. I personally like think the NBA gravitate towards like no positions, just the five best. Just the five best, yeah. And I think you should do that with pitchers, like. Like, say you had, like, hypothetically, say it's, it would be, you had, like, five relievers who had, like, 2016 Zach Britton-esque years. I think you should prioritize them over a starter who maybe wasn't as dominant. Yeah. But if, yeah. if it was to be, like, a, a traditional pitching staff, I would go, like, a full five-man rotation, then I'll go, like, three or four relievers. Mm. I like that. I think what people also feel to miss on is, like, pitchers aren't, like, that electrifying and exciting unless you're like a lincecum or you captivate like the hearts of people everywhere like it's hard to when you think about like the faces of baseball you think first about like the mike trouts and christian yelich's and those are the ones that get garnered for mvp votes but i think in terms of pitching oh my goodness dude i think the top third of pitchers is much better than the top third of hitters if that makes sense right i see what you mean in baseball yeah uh, anyways that's a super minor thing I, I love this idea as a whole with the all teams yeah, uh, so another proposal I have, these are more uh, wacky, but uh, I think all players should be able have to have the option to wear shorts if they want to. Oh! At your own risk, okay? The you red jerseys from last year. Tear up your, like, side of your thigh or whatever. But, like, okay. yo, I know how hot it is in the outfield out there, Okay. <laughs> Wearing these pajama pants does not look comfortable, bro. Like, <laughs> let them wear shorts. The Chicago White Sox did this back in the day, like yeah, like, for like opening day in this, like it was like the so it was like bicentennial, seventeen seventy six, nineteen seventy six. They're out here in shorts. Dude, <laughs> let that be an option all the time, where you can have the rip off pants, like Ricky Martin, circa nineteen ninety nine. You know, doing his concert, he rips oh, his off. And you got the shorts underneath. I Wait, we're not going to lie. <laughs> when you said wacky, I was not expecting this. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we... Slide at your own risk, bro. You're an adult. Make, like, it's your decision. You said <laughs> Puig ain't going to be out here in shorts sliding. Like, he's that... Ouch, dude. I'm, ar- I'm already cringing. Ouch. <laughs> well, it's like, um, I know that when... Like, when I was playing travel ball, we would occasionally go to this place called Little Big League, and it was turf. And so, like, we'd basically be playing with sneakers, and, like, we'd be sliding all over the place. Yeah. So, like, I could imagine, like, if you throw on some shorts and then throw on some tights underneath, like, let the air breathe yeah, a little. Yeah, maybe, maybe have some little tights under. Like, you know, you can adjust, but if you, like, give them the option. When you're in Arlington, Texas, I know they're getting the new stadium, but, like, God knows they wanted shorts on at those times i'm gonna take your idea and go like a little more rational i think players should have the ability to choose whether or not they have sleeves i like that didn't like the cincinnati the Red, reds did that where it's the like reds were, did last year like you had dudes in the in the fucking dugout that were just like lifting weights to flexing like, yeah that's yeah. like and again the the theme of everything like 
of of all this Instagram friendly, social media friendly. Yeah. Like you and can't tell. Like you see like LeBron and one, he's just like boom, flexing the muscles, and then it's like, or it's like the Kaepernick thing where it's like boom, muscles are. I literally became a yeah. Well, yeah. what what you what you do though, like if in that case is you when when someone gets on first, you throw over to first ten times, and make them like hurt it, hurt. <laughs> just play the complete mind <laughs> games. Yeah. Well, and, and and going off of that justice, I think we can all agree, and, and to an extent to which it's like appropriate like i this isn't like a rule change but like easing up on like the celebrations like we love the bat flips we love this the flexing like we want to see more of it Once for sure i think I we all we want to see bartolo cologne in some shorts okay <laughs> <laughs> right. josh if you are commissioner if you are truly commissioner you could say that if you hit the no doubt home run you should be like you should have an obligatory you could do what you could do whatever you want yeah. as long as it's not obscene you can do whatever you there want there was this movie, I, I honestly, I saw it when I was so young. I can't remember if it was real or fake or not. But there was someone, he hit a home run and literally carried the bat around the bases. I can't <laughs> oh, remember so if this was a real movie or not. Like hand it to the pitcher? No, like, not even hand it to the first baseman. Like literally ran around the bases with his bat. I, I, I hope if someone's listening, this can tell me if this is a real movie. But I it's like, let, let's roll with it. Yeah. And then my second wacky uh, off of this proposal is all managers have to wear a three-piece suit and top hat like Connie Mack, mm. Philadelphia age manager. <laughs> yeah, Who, it is. It. It's like, why do we have this, like, why do we have a dude in, like, a full baseball uniform? It's kind of... You, you know. look like a man, baby. Like, you honestly look like an infant wearing, like, one of those, like, onesies. Like, it looks terrible. If you're in a suit and you got a top hat, you look like... You know what's and going then, on. You're looking classy. It's funny to see. And then it would be like in a suit with like it would a kind of dope too. If they were like wearing cleats too with the bro, suit. Gabe Kapler would be the best looking manager. Bard, <laughs> that would draw so many people to the stadium. You know how good he'd look in that James Bond just, kind of suit. Just be staring like just fucking bro. He'd look amazing. And then when they like go out to argue with the ump, and they're kicking dirt on their like Italian <laughs> shoes. Taking the jacket off like Peaky Blinders, like rolling the sleeves like, up. Um, I love that. His name is escaping me. Josh, who's the men's basketball head coach in Washington? Uh, Hopkins, Mike Hopkins. Like every like every game, Hopkins coaches. He, the jacket is coming off in like yeah. the first three minutes. Or exactly. you have a Sean Miller situation where he's sweating through the dude. Dress. Sean Miller's so funny, dude. And then you have the guys who are like cool, cooler than cucumber. Like the jacket's never coming off. They always look good. Like you get all these different little. You get glimpses into their mindset and like who they are as people with the suit you know uh, yes i, I remember a lot former, about a person with the suit they're wearing i remember a former men's basketball head coach who would often be too cool with the suit <laughs> Viking just sits down Viking just catching strays yo he deserves wait, wait rory i had a take because you brought up the whole thing about managers taking dirt and going crazy when they get tossed I feel like in baseball, and maybe it's just, like, the fact that, like, it gets blown out of proportion when guys get tossed, but I feel like umpires have a really fast hook these days. Cough, right. cough, Angel Hernandez, Joe West, et cetera. Um, but – and I probably shouldn't be saying this because I'm working in replay next year. But, um, look, look, look. You have to edit this out. Guys, guys, guys. Should there be the, a version of, like – I know there's warnings. Should there be a version of a technical foul, like, in baseball where you're, like – there's some sort of concept. I don't know how you quantify it, whether it's like chaining the counter, putting one on first. That's like a little bit weird, but like, should there be more of a leniency for this? Cause I feel like some, you're take, it's already hard enough to get guys like 
like, I don't know, like, like I, I hate seeing guys like Miguel Cabrera getting thrown out in the third inning for saying one bad thing. Or, like, obviously, if you throw your helmet down, that's a hook. But, like, I feel like there's got to be something that they could do there, right? I kind of like that. I like, like that. A, a, two, nice a 2-0 count for the pitcher, or, or like, if, if, you, if you, like, say something bad, or, like, uh, I don't and know. It a strategy. Like, we see this in NBA. A lot of times, Steve Kerr, like, when the Warriors. Yeah, he'll get a T. He's like, I'm going to go get a T to wake my team up. Yeah. He's not getting ejected. He's just. Right. And I think and I think it is – I don't – I like, as fun as, like, ejections are, like, I – and some are justifiable, obviously. Like, I don't – like, I also don't want to see, like, my favorite player getting thrown out in the eighth inning because of, like, a like a terrible right. strike call, you know? Right. Like, you got to give us a shot! You got to give us a shot! <laughs> you call. put that in. You better put yeah. that in. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, – I think there's just be – there should be a middle ground between the quick hook, man. I've seen guys that, like, run into the dugout that are gone already. Like, come on. I kind of – I kind of dig that. Uh, one of the things that I would do, and I've thought about this for a while, and they've kind of done it with like the compensat- like compensatory, like first, second round picks, but I think you should be able to trade draft picks. I I like this one That's too. Like, that adds it, to the whole like, like, season. Give the draft more power, man. No one, no one knows about the MLB draft. Like I think MLB is like the only major American sports. Like I'm not sure about MLS or like NHL, but like NBA allows you to trade draft picks and like. NFL does. Dude, the it's NFL like, they trade they trade like a sixth of the picks like in the first round. Like I mean, and they're assets. Why would you not be able to trade them? It makes Yeah, it and it's like you can't tell me like there's an allure to like saying that there was draft picks involved. Like if like when like Paul George went to the Clippers, it took X amount it took like so many picks and it's like there's an allure to that. Like that's it's something that helps satisfy like the the super diehards cuz it's like oh my god, like they're willing to give away all that draft capital for like that. And it's like if, like hypothetically, if well, like let's go with like Mookie Betts. Like let's say like draft picks were allowed to be traded, like you can definitely mm-hmm. see like oh like you're gonna have to give us your first round. Like I want yeah, so first rounder, I want second it. rounder, I want your qualifying offer picks too. Yeah, you go Paul George situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like we're gonna give you like our next ten. 30 round picks like that would be fun i don't know what trades would look like it's like for it for mike trout we're gonna give you all of our picks after the 35th round for the next three years yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that dude the the scouting departments will have a headache with that because i mean obviously with like the nfl and obviously nba because there's only two rounds like you see the like the, the like the rewards of that right away and with if you trade mlb picks you won't know like if you won or lost a trade, something that will take six, seven years. <laughs> this, okay, this leads into my second pick. If I'm if I'm commissioner, I'm investing a lot of resources into minor league baseball broadcasting gear, like cameras. I want the audio to sound good. Because here's the thing: like, if it's one, it's one thing that the prospects are already buried in, like low in rookie ball, low A, high A. It's already bad enough that like you don't get to really see them on a consistent basis, especially only on social media. It's another thing it's like I have to watch this grainy 360p like 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 a, a couple of days ago I was doing I was I wanted to see some highlights on Christian Pache, who's like one of the top prospects in baseball. He's the Atlanta Braves top mm-hmm. prospect. And I wanted to see like because he everyone was saying he has a really good glove. His bat's kind of like he's got a little raw power, but like I wanted to see it, so I, you know, do a little Google search or, or I do a YouTube search like Christian Pache, and it's just like a handful of highlights, super grainy footage, and it's like it's a couple highlights, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bernie. We're gonna create some jobs real quick. <laughs> so this is this is how it works. 
you invest the money, you create the jobs, like you have someone who's responsible, like every individual minor league team has like someone that's creating like a legitimate highlight package. Justice interns, man. Or do the, you got interns right there. Cause you know, some intern interns in like like these small cities that are around the country too. It's like, you tell like not every person with like an internship prospect can go to New York, but someone can go to like Wichita, Kansas. Right. It's like, you create the jobs, you make your prospects more accessible again social media instagram friendly all of that i'm not saying it has to be this like broad like mlb like sunday night baseball level quality but like give me something a, like come on like you've had this is a multi bill this is a 10.8 million dollar a year industry mm-hmm. i don't know how much i'm gonna be real i don't know how much camera equipment costs but <laughs> it's a lot it's but you can't order. tell me that if the if the money wasn't put into that that like that the prospects would become like like if like hunter green he was the most hyped dude coming into the draft like how many highlights of hunter green have you both of y'all seen because i haven't seen that many not a whole lot i maybe one or two to be honest not very much and it's like i want to like it's one thing to read about the dude it's but we live in a highlight saturated era People aren't reading articles I mean, anymore. The G League, unfortunately, the G League you got better. Like, you, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, what's his name, dude? Uh, his name is names are just escaping me. Josh, the dude on Oregon who was dunking all Kenny over. Kenny Wooten. Kenny Wooten, right? Kenny Wooten. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Put on a dunking exhibition in the G League, and that was accessible. I love Kenny Wooten, by the way. I've also just realized, like every every explanation I have, I get super. Like, I'm super like, I'm damn near yelling it like a, a fictional like. Kenny Wooten. Here, no, no, Justice. I love these ideas. Like, dude, like if you had all the money in the world to spend, just like you would be firing these off, man. Oh man, it'd be dude, it's like come on, like I, I, I love baseball. I played it for ten years. I want to see the game grow. I agree. <laughs> I think those are like the the end of i was also thinking about the idea of like a draft lottery where it would translate over every round to make it a tv thing where it becomes a yeah it, t- okay you can only watch them now okay tv network. thing let's get these damn prospects in a row like, like can we fix the mlb draft yeah the, the draft has so many things it needs to because like, here's the thing. such a little content with draft and like just, it's like everyone was complaining about like how the NFL draft was on Zoom. I mean, it, it created some memes, but it was like it wasn't the real thing. That's the MLB draft every, every year on the daily. Yeah, it's like I know you don't want to like. There's thousands of players being well, thousand ish. Like, there's a lot of players being drafted. And you don't have to do every forty, like all forty rounds, but like for the first two, three rounds, let's get these guys. In. And I know it can create some like. It can be a little iffy because it's not as guaranteed, but, like, let's get someone there, man. Yeah. Like, I feel like with baseball, the risk factor is definitely higher that you get, like, a Lamar Jackson-type situation. Uh-huh. But oh, way higher. It is definitely but way like, higher. I will admit that. Analytic like, guys just like, nope, like, doesn't nope. – But, like, with last year's draft, like, Adley Rushman, he was going to be the number one pick. Andrew Vaughn was going to be a top three pick. Bobby Witt Jr. was going to be. Yeah, because, like, let's not pretend either. Like, they tell a lot of these guys where they're going. Like, the top, top, top guys. So but. Yeah, it's like if maybe the guys that are on the fence, you, you know, you'd be a little – you'd be hesitant. But right. at the same time, it's like, what's the – like – Yeah. I have, another in, I have another in-game proposal. 
It no is- more, no more playing "God Bless America." I'm fine. National anthem, <laughs> whatever. "God Bless America." That's too much. Like you're gonna get the national anthem. Why do we need "God Bless America"? You're gonna get certain individuals in your, uh, <laughs> in your mentions. Like, wh- what are we doing? We already know- we did the national anthem. We we acknowledged America. Why are we blessing it? Rory, the the the, uh, the 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 fans have asked the Astros and the Braves and the Marlins and the they like a word Don't with you. Me, please. Like, give me a good bottle idea. belt. Oh my god! I'm just playing. Yeah, it's, it's, honestly, it's ridiculous. They still they play what on Sundays, right? Yeah, and like some, I think, I think the Braves organist plays at every game too, or something like that. The Braves organist. I will say though that God Bless America slaps more than the national anthem. They're both terrible songs. They're both garbage. I'm not going to find it. It's just, it's just, we, need a, we need a remix. It's a, it's a little, 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 little propaganda. Of a, a l- oh, yeah. Like, like y'all been seeing That's those clips of, uh, y'all been seeing those clips. There's like certain people who are still like, they have like a flagpole in the neighborhood and like the kids come outside and they raise the, like the flag. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a little, we can't, we can't go around calling other countries, uh, communist countries. And then, <laughs> turn around and wow justice you're making the podcast hot right now i, I mean i'm it. not sticking to sports bro i'm gonna make my shit known <laughs> i love it uh, okay if we no, go- seriously it's like what do we do what it's like it's too much you're right it is just like at that point it feels like nationalistic or something like chill we're good <laughs> yeah, like the whole <laughs> like, baseball. Okay, i'll be honest I rally i i again i'm i'm a baseball purist but there is a part of me especially just reading as, as much U.S. history as I have. Yeah. When I see the seventh inning stretch, you have 40,000 people in unison saying the same thing and then doing some hand signs. It's a little Whoa. a little odd. Whoa. I mean, I, I, I know I'm getting too much into like, this is a little, it's too much of a look. It's a little too slight. Uh, but at the same time, it's a little, I, I mean, this is, it's different though. It's like, this is a chant versus like, yeah. Like, like you mentioned, it is very nationalistic. Well, there's always, a, there's always a fine line between a, <laughs> and like a concert, let's say. Yeah, it is. a, And then if you want to get into like the NFL, that's a, yeah, let, let, yeah. <laughs> not even not even the Kaepernick thing. Just like the fact that NFL, I forgot which way it goes around, but it's like teams are being paid to show the flag or like the Department of Defense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. takes our taxpayer money. Says we're gonna do a little flyover. Like, All right, give us mm. forty grand or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think those are all of the. Those are pretty much so all. Basically, like the- we said ban owners. But <laughs> Astros, no championship. Ban- <laughs> no arbitration. agency. <laughs> We're not like managers are wearing suits. Players are wearing shorts. We clearly know what we're oh, talking. God bless America. I mean, <laughs> they're gonna kill us. They're gonna assassinate us for sure. God, imagine like. Go go to the wrong wrong section of Twitter and start having these conversations. Bro, if, if this podcast blows up, we're gonna get letters that have banned us from from ever attending games again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've said throughout this we love baseball. We just like we don't yeah, want yeah, yeah. a static entity. No, I, I I'm I'm with that. Because yeah. when like I was I was thinking about ways to like revamp All Star Weekend too. There was nothing that really came to mind that seemed feasible or fun. Uh huh. Like fastest runner would be fun, or like who throws the hardest, who's accurate. 
Right. I think every All Star Weekend sucks for every league. Yeah, the the NBA is like, like, like the Pro Bowl's the dumbest. So at the end of the year, they play dodgeball. The game's not interesting. The NBA did is by far the best, especially this past year. But even the NBA is just like, eh. I yeah. like the Elam ending though. The what? The Elam ending. The Elam ending. It was what they did in the All Star Game where it's. Oh yeah. No, yeah. that was cool. That was yeah. dope. That, that, yeah, that, yeah. That was like made it an actually interesting All Star game. But, there, like, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I think what's the All Star games always give us like a. It sucks because All Star games always give us like a tease of what MLB is technologically capable of, and just don't. Right. Like the, like obviously you don't want to mic up players and be talking to them as they play, but like. Like mic up the players and then give us like a super feed like in the middle of a game. I was like HBO oh, yeah. time not got a contract for X rated. <laughs> that's the, like okay. That's the thing. If I was commissioner, if I was commissioner, I would allow for the X rated content. Every manager umpire interaction, like just oh like, yeah, dude. Like that could that could definitely get some guys into some hot waters if they're not. Uh, well, obviously you're gonna have editing discretion, like you know. yeah. <laughs> Viewer's discretion is advised. Yeah. Like, like when 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 Tim Anderson had his little thing, like I would have loved to hear what he had to say. Just, yeah, or, or like, like Amir Garrett running after the Pirates. Like, oh, dude, it's like in his in his internal monologue is like, I'm gonna get these motherfuckers real quick. Or even like you get a breakdown of what happened. Like you, like MLB should hire John Boy and be dude, like, bring hey, into yeah, the fold. Hey, Daily Cal tell the tapes, but with fights. Yeah, <laughs> bro, that's what people love about hockey, and um, like people love that about baseball too. It's like part of the game. <laughs> like there was, I think I mentioned this before, but there was like this one clip. It was like some college or like independent league, and this dude's like mic'd up, and he's a catcher, and he's like he's a funny dude. Like he hit a double, and he's running, and like he's you know he's kind of slow. He's like, get on too fatty, get on too fatty. <laughs> dives in, dives in head first. He's like, yes sir. And then he's like, some guy comes up to the plate and he's like, I'm just going to use the name Luke Lelouch or like Nuke Lelouch as we're talking about. He's like, Nuke Lelouch, best batting stance on the team, best jawline on the team. It's like, you can't tell me like fans wouldn't eat that up. And then on the other end of the spectrum, like we've seen, I mean, a lot of players when like that, that mic gets a little too close, but like Kevin Garnett, he's had a, he's had a couple instances where that mic oh, was a little yeah. too close. Specific. But, like, mute that during the real game and then play it on, like, Saturday night, HBO, Showtime, whatever. You get the real it's deal. always hilarious, too, like, when it yeah. happens, like, during live games. It's, like, like when Kevin – like, the one I'm talking about is when Kevin Gar- – it's Celtics Nuggets and the Garden. Kenneth oh, yeah. Kenneth gets blocked. The, I don't uh, think I edited it in. If you want to listen to it, you can go ahead. But. Tommy Heinsohn pretended he didn't hear what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, and that can grow the game in like in another way in and of itself. If you see some dude who's always like throwing f bombs around, you're like, it doesn't grow the game. It's just fun. I want to see him play. It's just like it's another layer. Like it's just fun. Do we have any final commands, demands, as commissioner for a day? This has been quite the day. I just want the owners to know you. You work for me. I don't work for you, bud. Okay. That's all uh, I can say. Josh, any final, any final things you would do? Um, this isn't really like a commissioner decision, but uh, lower, lower the, lower the prices for food, and I'm down. Yes. I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed yes. to that. That's super minor, but 
I'm, yeah, I'm for that. not even minor, bro. That's I cheap. definitely don't even. I don't think it would happen, but like, bro, yeah. do you know dude, what a eleven dollar hot dog, dude? It's not. It's a like, come on, dude. Bro, yeah, like every twelve dollar Bud Lights. And here's, yeah. here's the thing too. It's it's a double thing. Like there's some ballparks that allow food. Like AT and I still call AT and T. It's not Oracle. Dude. Yeah, AT and T allows you to take food in the game, and it's like that too. That, that that's a good like, option too. There's. There's like there's Unless you bring more than food. Like though. you know what you know what's near AT and T two blocks away. There's a McDonald's. I'm gonna go to that McDonald's. I'm gonna get my twenty piece. I'm gonna get my McFlurry. And I've actually done this. Like I've brought in like a frappuccino, and they've been like, "Go ahead." Now, yeah. dude, Safeway, Safeway like, by, the, by the Safeway by the Caltrain station, dude. Oh yeah, you get, like the that's wings or mac and cheese yeah. and cookies. You bring that in. All dude, that's it's the like, why do you want me to? And here's the thing. It's like I love the food at AT and T. Same. I got, I got the too. pizza that's under that's by center field. Fire. The crab sandwich, Caradelli. Crab sandwich, garlic fries. Clam chowder, fire. Garlic fries, hot take. They're just okay. Ghirardelli (laughs) Okay, I've actually, like, garlic fries are solid, but, like, I think they have to be done, like, perfectly. I think they're sitting out a little too long. Oracles are so good. But, like, Ghirardelli Sunday, fire. Yeah, it's fire. I think they, they used to – I don't know if they still sell boba, but it's kind of trash. Let's, 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the boba in ballparks, is, is, it's a reach. They have boba <laughs> yeah. in ballparks now? Yeah, like left field side – or, uh, yeah, left field side, third base line. I think they have it at, at uh, Oracle another, now, yeah. another thing that I think specifically the, the two Bay Area – well, like the coastal cities, like the New Yorks and the, yeah. the Bay Areas should do. Like in China, they got hot pot, man. And then in Korea, they got like – they got Korean fr- – like – Oh, like, dude, that sounds Like so I don't horrible. think we need like – I don't need to. We don't, Josh. We don't need to get Robin here to say that Korean fried chicken is far superior than American fried it's, chicken. It completely is. I agree. But like, like let, like let's get some, let's get some diversity. Let's get some Ethiopian food in there. Like we got like Irish, German. Like we Dude, don't need the European. Like the, we got more European countries food. Like let's get is, some, like this is yeah. This is a very small sample size, but I've heard that the Mets have the best food. They got Shake Shack. They got like the authentic things, like the the, the classic New York places that are all in the concourse. So like, wow. yeah. Let's see that. I like that. Man, I'm, it's, it's about dinner time, so I think we need to. <laughs> Dude, we've been going for two and a half hours. Yeah, I think we need to wrap it up. Watch this doc. Oh yeah, it's coming up soon. I got some. I bought some donuts actually, just for this doc in mind. Alrighty. Hey, hot tech. We need some donuts at ballparks. I love donuts. That's love true. It. I'm down with that. I, I love. Donuts. I will wax poetic about donuts for like an hour. <laughs> but season number one, episode number eleven. They just keep getting longer and longer. <laughs> Justin yeah, Del Santos, Josh Ewing. Subscribe to the podcast, Boy you Patty, cowards. A.K.A. Doug Dimmodome, home of, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. Until next week, I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week. I'm a, I got to have my little Bill Veek mind. We'll come up with some ideas. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.